Welcome to the Garden of Eden Dammy be asking the questions For the answers that you wanna hear All you gotta do is sit back, grab a chair Or listen up while you clean and cook Take a leaf from the creative's book These gems open your mind and your heart Okay, the show's gonna start Welcome back to the Garden of Eden, where ideas grow. I'm your host, Dami Eden. And today we have a different type of episode as we welcome my friend Tom Grant to the podcast. Tom, welcome, bro. How are you doing today? Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I'm all good, man. How are you? Yeah, bro. All good, man. All, all blessed. I mean, still breathing, good. still still good. got my health. So, yeah. <laughs> can't no complain, man. yeah good man good man um so tom is a solicitor at fletcher sports law uh, mainly managing professional athletes such as uh, footballers boxers uh, professional darts players um and also creatives and social media influencers uh, especially a particular show that's popping right about now <laughs> if you didn't know if you didn't watch the last few weeks Casa Amor, Toby, then you're missing out, man. Do you uh, know what? I'll confess to you right now. I've not watched this season. It's the first year uh, I've not watched it. I know it's so bad. It's so, so bad. I just, yeah, anyway. I just, this is a, what, the, the first year. Well, do you know what? I get so much off Twitter. I can pretty much read between the lines. Anyway, that I haven't watched the ad break. Yeah. So I, say, I reckon I probably saved 60 hours by not watching it. But yeah, I believe it is going on. Yeah, it's 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 been uh, like I've been dipping in and out here and there. It's been it's it's got interesting though. There's a few there's like a few characters that I'm just finding hilarious, man. Just the way they move through the world, I'm just like really, like really. But you know what? I also have to rate it because they're just going on TV. Like, yep, yeah, this is me. You know. Well, I think that's the best way to do it. Like everyone that I can think back historically who's done well on that show has just been themselves and they've just done well they've not tried to pretend to be anything they're not and when you look at the winners all the winners previously that I can think of have just been completely natural and the public yeah. I think can tell that the public aren't stupid when it comes to working out who's who's legit and mm. who isn't but but yeah there you go that's your first exclusive two minutes in I've not watched any of it this year I've <laughs> watched the first two episodes oh man it's it's alright I can, I can forgive you because I guess especially the early stages, man, I was like, is it tough? Get through, you're okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just to give everyone some context, um, Tom and I used to play uh, football together at uni in Nottingham back in the day. It, back in it's, the day. It's, it's crazy how quickly that time just came and went, right? I know, um, I know, 100%. Crazy. I was thinking about that the other day, actually, I was saying before, I think, I came on the pod, I was thinking about the last time I think I played against you and you came through the back of me and I've still got a lump on the back of my head <laughs> from when you clattered into me. In fact, I think it might still be there now that I think come to think of it. But Jeez. yeah, no, they were good days, man. They were really good days. And yeah, yeah they've gone far too quickly and they seem so long ago. They seem so, so long ago. But I think so much has happened in a short space of time. That's probably why. 
Yeah, but hey, you know, look at us now. We're we're grown men doing podcasts, 100%. working in law, like <laughs> working with big, big profile people. Like we we we've done all right, I guess. Yeah, we're doing okay. Um, surviving. And just coming on to that as well, um, Tom. Like I I noticed it might have been a year or two ago on Instagram. I noticed like mm-hmm. people, um, you know, people from Love Island. I think maybe. Like Amber, shout out to Amber if she watches this. Shout, like, shout out to you, Amber. <laughs> You're just a G. Let me just say she that. She is a G. She is a G. <laughs> um, people from Love Island, like on your uh, following your account and commenting on your profile, and I was like, "Wait, what's going on here? Tom? What's what's happening?" <laughs> so uh, you think it's a late charge for the show? Late charge for my own entry. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, nah, if this guy ends up on the show, this is going to be crazy. Oh, could you um, imagine? I'd get bounced out of there so quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, after doing a bit of digging, I realised that, um, you know, your actual profession was related to working with people, um, you know, within this industry. And what I find quite interesting about that, um, mainly because, you know, I do this podcast for people who are creatives, including, you know, social media influencers. And there generally tends to be a focus on becoming the, the person at the center, you know, the, the personal brand and becoming that person and becoming, you know, the athlete, the musician, uh, the influencer, that's the center of everything that's going on. But people rarely ever, um, you know, look at and aspire to be, the person within the structure, mm-hmm. but just in the background, doing mm-hmm. the 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 dil- diligent work behind the scenes um, for those stars. So my question, my first question for you today is: What drew you to work in this capacity when the seemingly more glamorous option is to go for being the center of the yeah, yeah, yeah. of of the of the structure itself? I think what you're asking me is why didn't I just go on Love Island myself and make a fortune? <laughs> why did I go to the background? No, yeah. I think I think well, the Love Island stuff and, and the influencer stuff and the the social media influencers that I look after, I fell into that really. So mm. after I left Nottingham, I went into the law conversion and then did the LPC, which is like the year's vocation that you'd have to do if you went to the law degree anyway. And mm. I knew I wanted to get into something sports related. I knew like I couldn't get out of bed unless I did something that had some element of sport in it. So I was applying for firms, to, for training contracts for firms that did sports law, like yeah. an element to it. And I got very, very lucky. So I met, I, I met a friend of my boss's, now boss's wife, who was basically saying, if you want to do sports law, you need to speak to this guy. He's the go-to. So mm. long story short, I ended up meeting for coffee and he offered me some training, like work experience. And then it was a job and then it was a training contract. And before I knew it, I was doing like really quite big hitting, like football legal work, like yeah. hanging onto my coattail, hanging onto coattails of my boss. And underpinning all of that work was like obviously contractual law, contractual elements that you had to sort of be aware of. And mm. then, so that was probably the first like 18 months, but then fast forward to not, the season of Love Island just gone, not the one before. The one before that. So do you remember it was like um, it was like Josh Denzel, Megan Barton Hansen, uh, yeah. Adam Collard, like Rosie Williams. So Rosie that was a great summer, by the way. Yeah, that was a great summer, wasn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. So so when that 
episode, when that series came around, um, I'd actually done, so before you qualify as a solicitor, you have to do what's called a PSC course. So it's almost like right. the last little bit of exam training and like qualifications that you have to, like hoops you've got to jump through before you can, before you can qualify. And it's mm. like business finance and all that sort of stuff and, you know, regulatory issues and, and whatnot. And Rosie was on my course because she was training to be a solicitor at the same time. So we'd sort of been friendly for like the two weeks that we were on the course together and yeah. we like chatted and stuff. And then I'd sort of we'd lost contact a little bit from like February. And then in June, when the show, or July, when the show was on, another girl was on the course messaged me and said, have you seen who's turn on ITV2 now if you're not watching Love Island? And I flicked it on and Rosie's there like strutting into the villa. So I was like, this is right. mad. So I think a couple of days later, I rang her auntie who's a barrister yeah, and just said to her like, you know, if she comes out, she's going to get inundated with people wanting to manage her, and she's going to want, um, you know, her contracts looking at and stuff. If you need any help, just yeah. give me a shout. Not really knowing exactly what I'd be doing, but having a rough idea of sort of what was going to get thrown her way. So anyway, sure enough, she came out of the villa, and then it was like an absolute feeding frenzy. There's like 12 or 13 agents trying to sign her and, you know, all this sort yeah. of stuff going on. And and I was just sort of there, like helping through the process, like just from a legal point of view, as a friend more than anything, just saying, well, this is what you need to be aware of and you know, try and dilute your management contracts. So you've got a right to get out of it if it starts going wrong or whatever. Mm. Um, and then from there, from literally from that point, to be honest with you, Damage, it's been like a snowball effect because she would then say to the next person who came out off the show, oh, you need to speak to Tom before you speak to anybody else. So it was like someone yeah. just kicked the snowball down the hill and it just, it went crazy. Um, and then fortuitously following series the next year, which had Amber and all those, and, and all those guys. And it was probably even as big, if not bigger. Um, the first lad that was out was a guy called Callum. who was a Welsh lad. And I think yeah. he thought when he came out to ring the only the Welsh person who'd been on the show, which was Rosie. So I had to do Callum for the next series. And then everybody who came out of his series rang the first person who was out, which was him, and he did the same thing. So before you knew it, like inadvertently, it had gone from being just, you know, advising me like a friend saying, these things you need to be aware of, to just like <laughs> 50 or 60% of the cast. Um, yeah. And, and then to be honest, from there, it's just mushroomed and it just blown up, to be honest, ever since. And, and now it's got to a point where we don't advise the talents directly as such. We operate in a very similar mm. way as we do with the football side of things, where we'll have the agencies that we'll look after who obviously have a pool of talent where there's more issues on a day-to-day -day basis rather than just one person yeah. who might come to you with everything. You get the agency who comes to you with everything for 20 people. Um and that in of itself, like, you know, we've got the big agencies in, in UK football or, or world football. It's the same with agencies here in the UK in terms of like media and, and influencer representation. And so long story short, that's that's how it's all sort of come wow. to a head. Um, there's a lot of like nuances and different characters that come in along the way. But but generally, that's 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 how it's all come come about. That's that's so crazy, man! You literally created yeah. a whole new lane for your company, then inadvertently. A little, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe a little bit. I think we were, we, you know, we were already by nature the football is always like commercial side of things, anyway. So we were already doing bits and pieces like that with with brands. But I think, to be honest with you, it was the timing more than anything. I think the social media marketing was really just becoming, I think, coming to its peak around that mm. time of that series where. 
um, it was like you know Rosie and Megan and and, all, and Josh and all those guys uh, and Georgia. That was when it was all like I think just at its absolute peak and people started yeah. to associate Love Island not necessarily people going on the show but actually trying to make themselves money, which I don't I don't necessarily think is the case, but that's the public perception. I think generally, as you go on that show, you you come you go in to make money, not to find love. Um, mm. So so I think it was more the timing more than anything was just fortuitous to be honest. It just synced up perfectly. I guess that really shows the strength of like word of mouth, really, because if you're able to do a good job for any with, within any field or any lane that you're in, and that person just so happens to tell everyone else, <laughs> yeah. and then suddenly yeah. you just got everyone knocking on your door, that's, that's pretty incredible. Without without being self-serving, and my boss isn't going to watch this because just he's not going to watch this. He's just not like tech savvy. Like you won't sit down and listen to a podcast yeah. or anything like that. But without being self-serving, the slightest, I think that's something that I learned from him directly because, like I mm. said, he's never really done any. Certainly, in the time I've been with him, BD, he doesn't go to meetings and like seek out business. But he's like one of the busiest mm. people that I know, and and the only reason is literally because of word of mouth reputation, and that's followed him around. Mm. Like I don't know of anybody within the football sector who's got a bad word to say about him and even people that I come across who don't know what it is that or who, who it is that I work for will will volunteer like pleasantries because of that, that sort of word of mouth reputation and it is mm. so so important to make sure that especially I think in any field it's really important but especially within law to treat people as, as straight as you possibly can and, and you know hopefully that then you get the benefits later down the line yeah like I guess like good, um, like good business karma, just good karma in general. Just yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I'm a big believer that if you try and screw people over, it'll bite you back in the in the backside eventually. Anyway, it doesn't matter mm. what you're doing. So um, yeah, I think that's massively helped. Just trying to shoot straight with people, and then you know also helping people who don't really know. Like it's such a circus when, especially that show in particular. When you come off that show, it's such a circus. Like the amount of stuff you've got going on agents trying to sign you you've got brands throwing tens if not hundreds mm. of thousands of pounds that you you know you, you've come from you know you've got the mental health element where you're literally you go in on day one you could be there for two and a half three months not speaking to anybody don't forget you're in a holding villa as well like a week before it starts so you're in oh, there for a long period of time wow. you've not spoke to your family not spoke to your friends you've gone in like as a lash technician from Essex and you come out with like 3 million followers. Like <laughs> there's so much stuff that goes on and you just, the last thing that you think of is, you know, how do I earn my money effectively? How do I make sure I don't get screwed over? So I think mm. in some ways it's a little bit fortuitous that you just, you're there as like to make sure like that looked over and looked after. Yeah. Um, how would you, yeah. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, actually, Tom, because uh, I want to ask you, how would you advise then? Because obviously Love Island is a particular particular beast in terms of the, <clears throat> the leverage that you can get in such a short space of time. Um, mm-hmm. But then we also have, you know, people who are just creatives in general and using their own platforms. And for whatever reason, they go viral. Mm-hmm. I'm sure maybe you've seen like people on TikTok who... Mm-hmm. one day have like one follower and then the next have like two million because of how mm-hmm. um how uh, active that platform is so how would you advise p- 
people who end up in a situation like that where they've suddenly come into a situation where agents and everyone and brands and everyone's trying to hit them up to do work with them what from what you've seen with the Mm -hmm. amount of people that you've worked with how would you advise them to navigate that happening um well, without be without talking myself into work, go and get a lawyer. I don't care if it's I don't care if it's me. Just go and get. A, I generally don't. As I say this to a lot of them as well when I speak to them. I, I'm not. I won't be offended if they go and speak to their family friend who's a lawyer or whatever. But go and speak mm. to a lawyer first because you know when you're signing to an agency for management, you sign in usually for twelve months, and that twelve month period you might not know it, you might not realize it, but that might be might be your sort of peak earning potential period so mm. don't be signing your life away to somebody who might not know what they're doing or might down tools after three months because they signed the next hot property or you know somebody who you know won't earn your money like properly for you and won't look at your contracts properly well you know i'm not, not saying that all agencies are like this you know there's some very very good agents but there's also some that don't have a clue what they're doing um mm. i only act for the ones that do know what they're doing obviously <laughs> um but but that'd be the first thing I'd say, just go and get, go and get a lawyer. And it wouldn't, you know, they might, it wouldn't cost them the earth to get somebody to pay somebody a couple of hundred pounds an hour to make sure that their affairs are completely in order and that they've got, you know, legal protection to get out of contracts if things start going wrong. Um, mm. And then depending on how much money they're looking at earning, go and get an accountant, go and get a financial advisor, you know, go and get a team of professional people around you. If you're going to be taking your career seriously as a social media influencer, then take yourself seriously and go and get proper people around you to advise you properly. Because, you know, I've seen and I've heard absolute horror stories where those things haven't happened and people are getting slapped for tax demands because they've been pulling money out of companies left, right and center or, um, you know, they've ended up in litigation with, with brands over unpaid fees or because they've not done the job properly or they're being sued by it. It's just, you know, and all of a sudden those wow. things tend to come on top when, when you know, the money's maybe dried up a little bit and all of a sudden you are thinking about, you know, you're thinking about where's the next paycheck going to come from. So, mm. yeah, whether you're a superstar off the back of a show like Love Island or somebody who's organically gone from like 10,000 followers on, tiktok or instagram to like 100,000 or 300,000 overnight like sit down and really think like well, how am i going to structure my next 12 months like how am i going to earn like what's my average earnings going to be make sure that i'm sensible with my money because i do believe that a lot of the financial and mental health issues are like entwined you know the, the yeah. you come off shows and or you have a month or two months where you think i'm making 15 20 50 grand a month and this is never going to stop. I'm going to go and get a Range Rover on finance and go and get a 35-year mortgage if I can. Oh, and then all of a sudden, six months later, that might not be there anymore and you're staring down the barrel of quite a large financial liability, So, which mm. is you know stressful for anybody, no matter what you do. So they're the, probably the most important things to do, um, to be honest with you. And yeah, before you go sign an endorsement deals with people, just get them read through. Because there's little things as well. Like I'll give you an example. One of the first clothing mm. deals that I did for somebody who came off Love Island was with a, a big, big fashion company. And it was yeah. it was a, a lot of money. It was like a life-changing amount of money. And right. the contract came through and there's no VAT on it. So straight away, if if you hadn't if we hadn't looked at it, if you mm. just signed the person who was put in front of them, it'd probably cost them a lot of well, I won't give you a figure because I 
one I can't remember and two I'll probably get the percentage wrong but there was a lot of that that would have been payable for example by this talent rather than it being paid by the company and all of a sudden it's massively uh-huh. wiping out a lot of the money they could have earned so yeah. little things like that they Jesus. might not necessarily think to think it through um, yeah. so yeah that's probably the, the biggest thing to be honest with you no matter what your level is yeah, that VAT thing, because I actually worked in tax for a period in, in my past life. I worked oh, yeah, in, in your previous in, life. <laughs> yeah, I worked in tax for a bit, actually um, VAT. And yeah, that VAT slap when it comes and you spent all that money, like, because mm-hmm. even, even though I was working with companies and, and businesses, that was something as well, you know, they get a big uh, windfall over a period of mm-hmm. months and then have spent it on wages or investing in a company or whatever it mm-hmm. is and then hmrc comes knocking like mm-hmm. hey <laughs> we want 20 percent of all of that that's yeah. coming yeah. yeah yeah that's a big one um yeah yeah that's huge man um what what other things would you say people should look out for in in like if the, if they are doing like a, a a sponsorship deal or like a brand deal and it might even be someone who's like a micro or like medium level influencer who maybe feels like they can't afford to get professional services and may want to look at it themselves and and manage more of those um like more of those processes themselves what kind of things would you advise for them to look at when um when 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 looking at their their contracts on first hand right um well i mean it, it depends on who, who they are how they're earning their money you know they got a company they're doing it themselves you know what sort of level they're at but you know all the, the main things that you'd look at would be contracting parties like is it going to be them personally is it going to be their company um mm. is, is that payable on the fees when are the fees going to get paid um is it going to be if it's upon delivery of content? Is it going to be on signature? Is it going to be half and half? Um, mm-hmm. There's you know there's a few sort of legal points that you're throwing at the back in terms of liability and limiting the liabilities in case anything goes wrong, so that you're not getting sued for crazy amounts of money if you know if they're in a personal capacity and whatnot. Um, but they're they're probably the most, the ones that I would always be drawn to straight away as as a lawyer, like mm-hmm. trying to be risk averse, trying to minimise any get any kickback. Um, but it, it really just depends on who 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 the client is and what the document's saying. I'll, my gripe with PR firms all the time: some are brilliant and some do their contracts like on the back of a fag packet and then throw them over <laughs> to lawyers for the other side to look at. And some of them are just tear my hair out. I think I was saying to my colleague today. Actually, we had another one today. Um, saying to him, you know, how can this get issued to somebody? Oh, I'd I'd be embarrassed. Uh-huh. It didn't look like a contract. <laughs> you know, I'd be embarrassed, but yeah. I know that obviously some of these PR agencies, that's not their bag. Their bag is going out, getting the brands in, getting all the PR parties together, bashing them all together and off they go, which is great until there's a fallout mm. and everyone has to go and dig the contract out and work out what on earth they meant by right. X, Y, or Z because it reads so terribly or it's not got, you know, boilerplate provisions in which, are, you know, how, you know, whether it's going to be English law that governs the contract and whether it's, you know, little things that just go for the benefit of everybody, they're not contentious issues. They're just, if there's something goes wrong with this contract, how is it going to be dealt with? And a lot of the contracts that we see haven't got this stuff in yet. Um, and I do think mm. like the social media influencer sector, if you like, has got 
an awful lot of catching up to do when it comes to the contracts. Um, yeah. you look at other, you know, the stuff that's presented to, to the footballers and the athletes, they tend to be a lot more finesse. Maybe that's because sometimes they come from the brands directly rather than from PR agencies or third parties. Mm. But they tend to be like serious documents for serious people, and and we just I, th- I do feel that there's a little bit lacking from PR agencies. Not all, but but right. some. Um, in terms of just mm. like how thorough their, their their documents are, which in some ways is great because when I get them, it means it's going to take four hours longer than it has to, and I can charge for it to, to put it together. But you know, yeah. I'd rather not. I'd rather be, believe it or not, as cost effective as possible for everybody, and you know, not yeah. spend having the you know Mr. Bean moment with the cocktail sticks reading through <laughs> contracts. But but yeah. but sometimes that's just what's needed in order to get things done yeah that's that's the way that's the way it goes that's that's really interesting though man um i, I definitely feel like if somebody because because you know even at um maybe not at that love island status level but at lower levels where i know people who are signed to agencies even like people who are maybe actors or in other kind of fields where they sign to an agency and in some cases just trusting what's on the document instead of of really dissecting it or going to um, the professionals who know exactly what they're doing. It actually reminds me of a story of one of my friends, actually. Uh, He, he, uh, he's, he's an actor, um, but this, this, this happened a while ago. So he was, um, he was cast for an advertisement with, um, Fuck it, I'm gonna say the name Centerpoint, the the homeless oh, yeah. charity, right? Mm-hmm. And when he went to 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 uh, when he went to 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 this casting, it was essentially him um, having to play the role of someone who was homeless, and uh, they were going to be using it for an advertising campaign. And if I'm not wrong, um, they offered him either a percentage based on how much like it would be put out to mm-hmm. the UK or something of, of something of that ilk or a flat fee of like 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. So he went with the 200 pounds and they told him like, this is going to be quite a small local campaign, blah, 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 blah. He signs the deal, does the content for them. This guy ends up everywhere. <laughs> like, Oh no. It was so bad to the point where I would be, so I would be illegally streaming. I shouldn't really say that, but fuck it. I I was illegally streaming TV (laughs) at uni. And you know when the pop-ups come up where you have to click them off to watch the film? Your homeless mate. It's my guy on the picture. (laughs) And then the times that we'd get on the tube and he's just there on the banner, like literally for maybe two years, he was everywhere. And I'm sure, you know, if... if But that, that must have affected his other work, though. Because if he's then seen, like, if he's if he's then seen, or, you know, say he's going for, like, a, I don't know, a Hollywood movie two, mo- two months later, actually, well, you're on the side of a bus representing homeless people. It's not really the type of portrayal we want for this role. That must affect his future work. And you think for the sake of just getting something looked at, it doesn't have to be by a lawyer, just, just somebody other than you sometimes just to read through something. You know, if you're yeah. that engrossed in getting the job or whatever, sometimes that is just enough to read through it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it happens in, in every industry. And whenever I get people coming to me, like really being very self-critical because they feel stupid because they've signed something that they now look back and think, oh my God, what was I doing? You know, I 
try not to try to say to him, don't, don't, it's not that deep. Don't get too upset about it. It's done now. Like you're at the right place now. We can sort of, we can try and deal with it, you know, rather than just really putting the boot in yourself, which is going to benefit nothing really, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's tough. Like, you know, it happens in every sector. Football, you get young players signing things. They have no idea what they're signing. And um, yeah. people when they come off Love Island signing things, they have no idea what they're signing. And then, you know, 12 months later, they'll come to me and say, they've fallen out with their agent. Can you get them out of a contract? And it's a stupidly long period of time. And But it's mm. difficult, you know, if you're your friend there that you just give an example of, you know, he might not have 200 pounds, 400 pounds, whatever it is to pay to a lawyer yeah. to look for a contract that's worth only 200 quid to him. You know, there was no sense in that. So, yeah, I mean, we always try to do stuff like on a cost-effective basis. So if someone came to me, you know, the prospective to be a huge star in like five years time, I'll do my best to try and help them out now so that when the big deals come along, you might think, oh, actually, I'll come back to Tom and see if you can help us mm. out. Um, but obviously, the busier I get, the harder it is to, to still dedicate the time to do those things. But, you know, I try. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely understood. I mean, for 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 my guy there, he's he's not in uh in the field anymore. Um, I bet he's I, I don't not. think that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he thinks I'm going to be burned from that one, so I'm going to go do another job. <laughs> oh God, I do need to ask him how it affected him mentally because you know we we laughed and joke about, joked about at the time, but I did ask yeah, him, yeah. bro, how was that actually? How did I actually feel? Poor Maybe guy. <laughs> Maybe I'll bring him on the pod one time, talk to him about <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, uh, with um, with with the field you're in now, and I guess, you know, you said that you didn't intend to necessarily work in the space with, including um, like social media influencers, but with, I guess, like the creative industry, sports industry um, tied into law, um, how how competitive would you say it would be now, like at this point in time? Because there might be somebody who's listening, thinking that they actually would rather go a professional route and then work within the industry in that way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> mm-hmm. How competitive would you say it is, let's just say in law, for example, versus a more common path like corporate or criminal law? How would you, um, how would you rate it? It's, it's mega competitive. It was mega competitive when I was trying to get into it, that's for sure. And I, I got very, very lucky. Like, believe me, I, I reckon I must have spent 300, 350 hours like doing the training contract applications, you know, for like the equivalent of like grad, grad like entry level jobs. Yeah. To firms like from high street all the way through to like, you know, massive, massive firms. Um, and I got through, through to interview in a few of them, but but generally I didn't really get that far, and it was just fortuitous that how my job came about really. But mm. yeah, I think the problem, not the problem so much, but football law and like media entertainment law is seen as like the sexy side of law, which it is in some degree, and in others it's just a, it's just like you know it's like contractual law within a context of media entertainment and and football, for example. Right. Um, but I think, you know, the law in general is, just, is a bit of a nightmare to try and get into in the field. Like, there was some stat that I got bandied, the bastard around the head with when I was trying to get into it. It's like 1,700 applicants for training contracts in one, in one no, sorry, 17,000 live training contracts registered in one year for like a quarter of a million law graduates. 
So instantly the odds are stacked against you anyway. And that's from like, you know, really small high street firms like the big firms. And then obviously wow. the, the discrepancy in money when you come out is, is huge and the low, you know, the smaller firms can't necessarily pay huge amounts of money that could be in the first three or four years that you're working. Actually, all you're doing is just paying off your debts from doing the postgraduate stuff and the law conversions and what have you. So mm-hmm. it is, it's so tough, but I think like my sister's a couple of years younger than me. She went to Nottingham as well. You know, she's working in London and doing, doing well for herself now. But when she first came out of university, she really struggled to find a job as well. You know, she's got a two, one history from Nottingham. You'd think mm. that would be a decent starting point to get into most places and get into entry, but it's not. And I think, I don't think it matters what you do to be honest with you. It's so tough. Mm. It seems to be so tough to, to find a job and to, to get a job. Um, yeah. but yeah in terms of like people that write to me and say oh can you help us get work experience or can you you know help us like give us advice I always try my absolute utmost to, to give that time because when I was like 16, 17, 18 and then while I was at uni as well like I was bombarding people like bombarding people for work experience yeah. um, like left right and centre and some people that like, just told me to piss off and think it'd be the time of day and you sort of keep a little mental note of who those people are. And, um, <laughs> Have you ever crossed paths with any of them? Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I've crossed paths with quite a few of them. In fact, I had a matter recently where we were doing a manager's contract. He's going into a Premier League club, and the lawyer on the other side was the lawyer who rejected me an interview for a firm mm. like not too far away. And I remember just thinking, like, I really, I mean, she obviously wouldn't have a clue. Probably wouldn't even put two and two together. But there was a real moment of satisfaction where it's like she's she's at this level and i'm like at this level but for this one hour we're both here just negotiating a contract yeah. and only five years ago she's basically telling me that she's gonna hire somebody else so that that feeling is nice but but yeah like i wrote to so many people asking work experience and some people were like very very generous at the time you know if they couldn't if they couldn't give me work experience or they couldn't, you know, meet for a coffee, they'd, they'd they'll speak to them 15, 20 minutes on the phone. Just, so mm-hmm. even if I can't get to meet people or we can't get people into the office, which has been difficult because of COVID and stuff. Yeah. I've always, I have tried to like get like 15, 20 minutes on the phone with people. Um, like there's a guy called Morris Watkins who is like seen as the godfather of, of sports law. Um, like he was direct, he was on, on the board at United remember when right. Cantona did the Kung Fu kick at Palace? Oh, shit, yeah. So, so Morris, like, represented Cantona in, in that sort of case, and he did yeah. all the legal stuff for for, for United and, and did, had a huge, like, sports law career. So I was quite fortunate that I was able to, like, ring him and, and lean on him and get advice from him, not just when I was, like, do, asking for work experience, but even all the way through till recently. Like, if I have a, a problem at work, which... You know, I can't speak to my boss about, which is very few and far between, to be honest with you. But, you know, I'd, mm. I'd be able to lean on people like that. So, um, yeah, like I was quite lucky to have like a good little network of people that I could lean on, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like going back to your question, it's, it's really tough, really, really tough to get yeah. into. Yeah. And so I guess some like kind of summarizing uh, your advice would be to just try and talk to as many people within in that 100%. space of law as possible 100%. don't be scared don't be scared like I, I was i think back as well like i went to for my birthday 
so I was, I was, I was working this paralegal job in Manchester when I was at law school for my second year and I, I was doing human rights law and I hated it. It was yeah. just horrific. I really didn't like it. So I took annual leave from that job to go to a, an event called Loring Sport on my birthday. So it was down in London. It was at Twickenham. Rah. And I sort of yeah. turned up like, and it was funny actually, because when you had to apply for the tickets, it was like £150 for a student ticket. So I was like, oh, sod it, right? I'll go down. I'll bring a friend so you can stay with her while I'm down in London and stuff. And it's not too far from choosing Kingston, not too far from Twickenham. And I'll turn up and I'll just wear the badge, wear the suit and just go and ask loads of questions and just sit and listen to all these talks that are happening with like all these big names within within sports law and particularly football law. And it was so mm. good. But when they published the when they published the brochure, I think I hadn't filled in the form correctly. So they they had me down as being like um like a delegate for the event rather than a student. So I think my name, like Thomas Rawson Grant, my full like Christian name, was just between Tottenham Hotspur and the English Rugby Football Union as like attending oh, parties. And then yeah. it was like all these other law firms and stuff like that. And I was like, <laughs> I, I do not belong on this list. Like, and I certainly <laughs> don't belong between those two entities. Yeah. Because um, obviously people are looking around ahead of these conferences, like oh, who's going to be there? And they must have seen like Thomas Rawson Grant and thought it was like a triple barreled law firm name that was attending. Yeah. In reality, it was just me, like a student who had no idea what was going on. <laughs> did, but, did anything yeah, come like, off that? Did anything come off the back yeah. of that? Oh, yeah, it was brilliant. So when I went to that event, it was class. So there was like coffee breaks in between. Um, and it, if, honestly, any budding sports lawyer who wants to know more about what's happening, like day to day in the industry, look out for one of those events because it's well worth mm. going to. And you get in for practically nothing. If I was to go now, it's like a small fortune to get in, but again, it's still yeah. worth it. Um, but as a student, it's, it's, it's not, it's nothing. Um, but I would go to that and just like the coffee breaks and stuff. I would just go up to everybody and just ask like a load of questions. Like just how, mm. how did you get here? What are you doing? Like, how did you get into the industry? What advice would you give me? Just to the point, it's probably a bit of a nuisance to be honest with you, but uh, and people would ask me questions about what do you think about that last presentation? And I'd be like, I have no idea. I don't know what you're yeah. talking about, but it sounded interesting. I'm trying to work out what was going on. Um, mm. But off the back of that, so there was a guy there called um, VJ Carbat, who was head of legal at UK Sport at the time. UK Sport are responsible for all the funding for like Olympic and Paralympic like events and stuff. Right. Um, so I remember going to him at the end of it, and he literally just spoken on stage and I went to like two minutes and said, oh, I'm really, really sorry to bother you. You know, I've done a little bit in private practice where I've, I've like shadowed somebody who's at a private law firm, but I know you're publicly funded. Can I come to London and like work with you for a week and just see what it's like? Just working in a public law, separately, um, funded like law office basically. And it was literally like, here's my card, like ring me and you know, we'll sort something out. So off the back of that was in the February. I was doing, two, I did two weeks work experience there in July and then in at UK sports, I came out to London for that. And like, that was class. It was such a good experience. And yeah. fortuitously, again, when I say about people who gave me their time when really I was, I was nothing to them. Um, there was a lady called Jane Purden who just finished being um, director of the Premier League for like 20, 20 years. She'd been there for a long time and seen its wow. growth to the point where it is now. Yeah. She just left the, she just, at the time I went to UK sports, she literally just left the Premier League and gone to, UK sports as like um what like one of the governance like officers for a few of the mm. Olympic Paralympic sports. So we got for lunch and she'd like talk to me about the, the industry and her experience getting into sports law and all that sort of stuff. And 
yeah, it was just so beneficial going to that that one decision to go, right, I'm going to go down to London. I'm going to try this yeah. event. I'm going to just throw myself out in the deep end. So much then led from that. Um, yeah. And like, you know, the, I, I felt like a complete fish out of water. I felt like a complete idiot. Some of the questions that I was asking and people were asking me, but just try and like finesse it as best you possibly can. <laughs> and hope... And hope that you come out not looking too stupid, and you know, yeah, it, it you know, you just you got to put yourself out there, haven't you? Otherwise, you just you're gonna get left behind. Yeah, I mean, here you are, bro. You 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 were taking those actions regularly, yeah. and it led you down the path of <clears throat> you said meeting your boss's wife's friend, was it? Yeah. So that was yeah, that was a bit. So I was I was with my mates in 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 Abbasok on holiday one summer. Just, I just finished my law conversion and I was about mm. to start. This is the stupidest. I think about now, I was like, what was I doing? Because a lot of people that I was at law school with already had training contracts. They were like guaranteed employment the second right. that they finished law school. I didn't have any of that. So I was like just doing paralegal work in this human rights firm in Manchester just to basically pay my way through law school. And I really didn't like yeah. it. Um, but yeah, we were in a bar in Aversock and there's like a big group of like women like all chatting and stuff. And one of my friends who will remain nameless went over there <laughs> and was like, Oh, have you got have you got a cigarette? And I was like, I know for a fact, I know for a fact you don't smoke, and I know for a fact you shouldn't be speaking to them. Anyway, long story short, we all yeah. sort of like mingled and had a really nice evening just chatting or whatever. And this lady was saying, um, oh, you know, what school did you go to? What do you want to do? and all this sort of stuff. And sort of explained to her and she was sort of saying, well, if you want to go and do sports law, you've got to speak to Fletch. Like, if you don't know who Fletch is, then you don't know anything about sports law. And I was sort of sat there feeling like pretty stupid. And um, anyway, she was like, well, put your number here. And if, if um, she gave me a number, she said, text me tomorrow. And if I remember you, because everyone's a bit drunk at this point, I'll I'll get in touch with Fletch, who's like friends with my husband at the next family barbecue we have, and I'll get him to give you a, a message. So anyway, I did, this was like August. So I messaged her the following day, you know, hi, I hope your head's not too sore. You know, lovely to meet you. If it's not too much yeah. trouble, you put me in touch with Fletch and I really appreciate it. Um, and then I didn't hear anything for like a month. Um, and in the meantime, oh, I volunteered at another event called Soccer X, which is like law in sport, but it's like football business. And yeah. that was like no students allowed. You might have, you might have seen it, but I was like no students allowed. It was like, 1500 pound a delegate ticket and i was like there's no Jesus. way i'm affording to get into this without getting a ladder and scaling the fence <laughs> so, so i took annual yeah. leave again from that paralegal job that i hated and i volunteered at the event i was like i know it's a bit because it was at manchester gmex as well so i was like i'll volunteer yeah. again like i'll show people the toilets and stuff i'll Smart. do it you just let me in there love that so yeah so it was, it was quite lucky so because at first they said oh no you can't like we're full we've got enough because i think the distance in manchester met uni we'll you know let the kids that we've already got do the volunteering was sort of good mm. and then the couple of days before the event like, actually if you still want to do it you can come and do it so i was like yeah 100 percent, i'll be there so i turned up like three-piece suit looking like the absolute business <laughs> and then yeah. and then they were like yeah Here's your high vis jacket, pal. Like, go and stand by the <laughs> toilets and take coats. So, in the meantime, it's like, it was like mad. It was like Michael Owen turning up, guys, Commendietta. It was just, oh, big, fact, big I'd names. Gone, 
huge names like Luis Boamorte, like all these guys who played Premier League years for years and years, yeah. years will now turn up to this event. Um, in fact, I'd been to New York, so I literally just got back from New York. Where I took my dad's a massive tennis nut, and he was his sixtieth, so I took him to New York, and then we we just landed. And I got this text message. To, we landed like five o'clock in the morning and I got a text message to say, if you still want to come and volunteer, you can do, but you need to be at the Granada Studios where they film Coronation Street for like nine o'clock on a Sunday morning, that morning. So I literally went home, slept oh for two God. hours, went straight there because they did a football festival on the Sunday for like all the local kids and stuff. The day before the actual business event started on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. Um, so I was like, I was dead on my feet. I thought, no, I've got to go because it'll be worth it. And you can't just turn up for the business bit. Otherwise, I'll know that I'm just only in it for the connections and not in it to actually help out. Yeah. So class, like the actual day before, they had like classic football shirts there at this event. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, who are now massive, but that was like when they were just starting out. So they had, and they, and they had all these footballers doing the tournament. They had like Sean Garnier doing the freestyle stuff and... They had um, mm. Andy Tate off, you know, the United fanzine guy like Moise. Oh. He yeah. was there. So it was, I, was, I was knackered, but it was so good. But yeah, anyway, on the Monday, it was like, here's your Hybiz jacket, here's your suit. Anyway, once I'd got in there, Hybiz went away. I took the name badge off and I just went round, same as at Lauren Sport, really, just chatting to everybody. Mm. And at that event, I got a phone call from Fletch, from Paul Fletcher, who's now my boss, saying, I'm really busy this week. I can't meet you for a coffee. You know, can we push it off next week? He's like, I'm actually you know, I'm at an event this week. And I was like, what event is it? He was like, oh, it's Soccer X. I was like, don't worry, I'm there as well. I'll see you there. Mm. I was like, this is just far too fortuitous. So then off the back of that, he was like, well, you know, you've clearly managed to like wriggle your way in here somehow. So we'll try and arrange yeah. some work experience. And then between that September and the January, just through communication, he was like, look, I can't give you work experience, but I actually got a need for like a paralegal two days a week just to help pick up the slack on stuff can you just mm. come and help me out? And and then from there, it went, well, I'll paralegal two days a week for you. To then when I wasn't at law school, it went to five days a week. And then the day mm. I finished my last law school exam, he was like, look, we've got enough work and enough variety to give you a training contract. Do you want to train? And that's how it came about. Yeah. So it's a that's... bit of a mad circumstance as to how it all came about. But, and there was quite a lot of luck in there in terms of being right place, right time. But there was also yeah. quite a lot of like trying to go out and, and trying to make it happen because it was like that. It was demoralizing the amount of applications that you send off. You don't hear back. You know, you get rejected mm. for like no reason. They just say thank you, but no thank you. You know, and I, I worked out. It's probably about three hundred and fifty hours over the course of six to eight months just doing applications. Jesus. So, so yeah, so yeah, it all man. worked out okay in the end. But yeah, it was a lot of a lot of slog. Yeah. It, it does really sound like it, but you know what's really sick about that story, and I think anyone can take away from it as well, is just you, even though there was a lot of luck, you took a lot of action because a lot of people would have seen the initial 1,500 for Soccer X and been like, nah, I ain't going to that. Yeah. Like, to be they would have just. I was Googling stepladders. I was Googling stepladders. Like, how much can I get the 12 foot vents of this, this place that you like to get in? <laughs> to just jib it and get in but I thought that would probably look even worse on the TV <laughs> yeah. just getting escorted out you, you know yeah get, but, go up the ladder and then try and network with everyone oh, yeah. you've just broken yeah. into the place 100%. to see yeah 100% 
yeah but no that's 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 amazing um it's it's just mad how many opportunities you can take just by going just that little bit extra just to get in front of those people that you know can i guess you didn't even know who it was gonna be per se but you just knew mm. it was gonna bring opportunity mm. in it and it did and um I imagine as well when you like like with any other job and uh, when you join like a new industry, you start to learn things very like specific within that industry. So within 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 um, sports law and um, like media entertainment law as well, as you started getting more of those clients on board, what are the different um, like nuances that you learn about just like that industry through your job and uh anything just in general that you would that you would share about um, about that in terms of nuances i don't think there's that many in the sense that like the, what i do is like underpinned pro- predominantly by contract um, right so all those all those principles are generally the same. And whether I'm reviewing one because it needs amending because they want to sign a deal, or whether I'm reviewing one because somebody is getting sued or is about to be sued and we need to know how to handle it accordingly. There's not there's not really that many nuances. In terms of like how the industry operates, um, I don't know, it's a, it's a tricky one. It's, it's more just, I've got a much better understanding now, certainly than I did two years ago or three years ago, of how the deals come to fruition. How it comes mm-hmm. from, you know, a marketing creative, a brand thinking this is how we want to get our product to market to how it reaches a point where an influencer is the one that's responsible for delivering those goods and making sure that it's the most effective sort of launch mm-hmm. of a product possible and, and meeting all the requirements of the brand. Um, so I've got a much better understanding of how that all works now. And that's something that I think you only get once you're sort of really in the eye of the tornado and you get to see all the moving parts, whether it's, you know, your agent, your PR agency, your talent, um, your account mm. managers, whatever it might be. Like you only really see the donkey work that goes into, you know, people just sit and scroll through their phones and then see like, oh, it's, you know, Obi's doing a Diet Coke advert. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's like so much work that's gone into just getting it to that point to where you're watching on your phone now. Um that's probably the thing that I appreciate more now than I did maybe before I started getting into the industry and the football side, I think football and boxing, it's just two mad worlds, like everything good, anything and anything can happen, you know? Um, so nothing mm. would ever surprise me in either one of those two sections. Yeah. To be honest. What's, what's the craziest thing? Um, just like going over to like football, what's the maddest thing that you are allowed to talk about? That's happened. Oh, that, that stalled the negotiation, or that you were just looking at like this is just oh, you know insane. What? I, don't, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I mean, <laughs> in terms of in terms of stories that I've heard, um, I've heard a very very good one about um, lawyers getting dragged to like different city. Like, what, good. my boss got told to go to Paris once for a that transfer to take place and when he got there it was like meet at this location you get to that location it was like right actually you're going to meet somebody to then take you to another location to then go to another location and it was all like very like smoke and mirrors so I think there's quite a few like things like that that have gone on but in terms yeah. of stuff that I've actually been privy to like I've been my first ever real big like football case if you like 
that went mm. all the way through to a trial. Like there was stuff like that, that we were we were acting against the club, and the club was producing documents that were like clearly fake, like just so fake. And we what? all knew they were fake. Yeah, and we all knew they were fake. We worked it out because, um, oh, shit. but there was like we worked it out by the the dates of the players they put on the document weren't up to date. They were like the dates of the players as of like the day that we were in the trial. The, the date of birth was, was then, but not three years ago when this document should have also been produced. So there were right. like things like that. So, but that was one of those moments was like, oh my God, like we're not playing against somebody who's, we're not fighting against somebody who's playing by the rules or fighting against somebody who's, you know, going to be trying, trying to be crafty to save himself some money. Irrespective mm-hmm. of the fact that basically it was, you know, you were lying, like we caught them, we caught them red-handed yeah. at it. So, that was, oh, I can't, as much as I'd love to, I can't name names on that one. But, but yeah, yeah. there's just some, uh, that, that's just off the top of my head, like some of the crazy stuff that I've come across. There's a, I'm sure if I sat down and really thought about it, there's stuff that, you know, we could, mm-hmm. I could really let loose on. But I keep saying to my boss, you know, when he's come to the point where he doesn't want to do it anymore, his memoirs, the stuff that he could divulge would be a bestseller, like international yeah. bestseller. New York Times bestseller, like some of the stuff, some of the names, like just crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. But you might have to wait and wait for that one. (laughs) Yeah, it's always mad when, um, like when managers or players, you know, when they write books and they say, this is actually what was going on. And these are, when you can call on so many names and say, yeah, you guys all think this person was a legend, but let me tell you what was going on behind closed doors. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a few times as well where I've been doing like managers' contracts, whether they're going in or coming out of a club, and I, I'll literally be like changing something in the contract or like amending it, and then I'll get like a notification on my phone, like Sky Sports News, like this person is now announced is, has been appointed as this manager, and I'll be sat there thinking, no, he's not, mate. Cause I, we've still got the contract here. Like <laughs> some, it's some way away. Oh, um, there's a few things like that that happened where I'm just like. You know, and a few of my friends will like know like roughly what we do and like what we might have going on and stuff. And they'll just, they'll be ringing up every five minutes like, asking for info and stuff and just be like, yeah, declining calls left, right, and center. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's, it, football, football and boxing are, are both just mad worlds. So, yeah, and I think it's, it's one of the reasons it's exciting, exciting, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's so, especially uh, like with football and the way, um, there's so much movement within it, within the game. Like there's so much movement of players and managers and staff like within it that it just, that kind of, that kind of um, activity just creates chaos, right? Yeah. At some yeah, level, yeah. which means yeah. just mad things can happen. Um, so I know you're a, you're a Man City fan, obviously. 100%, a big, yeah. big, big Man City fan from what I remember. And for yeah. what I see on social occasionally, <laughs> um, yeah. how how does it feel for you on a level when you when you work with the club on things that are quite big that yeah. you want to be excited about, but you know you have to kind of like work on it and also um, keep that fan side at bay? What does that feel like? To be honest with you, like in a bit of a sad way, I think my personal allegiances and professional sort of they really do depart. Like if, mm-hmm. if God forbid we had to act against Man City for something, then 
it would be just business. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel any particular way about it. I suppose it'd be like if you know a player goes and plays against his childhood club or the club that he's grew, sport, sported growing up. They don't, they don't care. They just focus on the job they've got to do. I think mm-hmm. that's the only way you can really approach it. But um, you know, we've had stuff, you know, where we've we've done stuff with clubs that we support in the past, and you just do it as professionally as you can. And to be honest, with you, it's never really entered my mind about oh, I'm I'm doing this against the club or I'm doing this for the club or anything like that. It just, it doesn't, it, it's never honestly entered my mind. Um, mm. I think one thing that I, I was really conscious of, and I don't know if you noticed from like following on social media, but compared to when I was um, at university, compared to where I am now, I don't really comment on football as much anymore. <laughs> um, I really, yeah. on Twitter, I virtually don't use Twitter and I had to do a call based on my own social media like a couple of years ago because I'd slagged off a player on social media like for throwing elbows around. You could probably even guess who it was for throwing for throwing too many elbows around and basically not getting yeah. up. And it went viral. It got like thousands. I I got the engagements. It was like ridiculous amount of engagements. Like there's a good chance <laughs> he's seen this. And a couple of months into working for my boss, one of the first things he asked me to do was review this guy's boot contract. And I was like, well, if he sees if he sees my name on an email and it's pretty much exactly the same as my social handle, then there's a good chance he could put two and two together. Whether he did or not, I don't know. But that made yeah. it prompt to me to go back and like, right, I need to literally go through wherever I've like berated, you know, poor Ashley Young's got it every single week, no matter whether he's playing for United or England. Like, fortunately, we've never done anything for him, but, you know, he got it every single week pretty much for every diving or just, you know, any, yeah. Yeah, it could have been anything, but it was like yeah. a long list of players who, who got it, and all that had to stop pretty much straight away. Like, it just yeah, yeah. you just you never know who you're going to act for in the future, or when the you know, and the last thing you want is for them to just recognise you because you've absolutely blasted them on social media. <laughs> so, so yeah, so all that's had to sort of get knocked on the head. But in terms of like allegiances to clubs and stuff like that. You know, mm. we've we've done we've we've put players. You know, we've put players into into United, for example, who I think are, are top class players. We'd we advise players from you know all over the world coming into the country and going out. Um, so yeah, even though like I'm not Manchester United's biggest fan, obviously, yeah. <laughs> like if it, you know, we would never. I'd never like like we did. You know, Wan Bissaka's like, one that we can speak about. He's right. published in Legal Five Hundred. You know, when my boss and the firm like, advised him going into United, obviously, like, I would have probably loved to have had him at City at some point, but, you know, mm. we got Kyle Walker instead. And, you know, on the I day, mean, on the balance one's of doing fame. okay, one's doing okay, one's yeah. doing, you know, they're both doing okay, but one's maybe doing slightly better. But, you know, there's, yeah. you, you just, you don't, yeah. it doesn't really enter your head to think, oh, well, I'm a City fan and I don't want them to do well and I don't want that to happen. No. Yeah. Those days unfortunately have gone, I think. Yeah, yeah. I guess when you're working within the system of football itself, it's hard to have that because it's all you know, when you support a club, it's almost like a it's a um unrealistic view, or I'm trying to find a word, like it it's um it's not it's a non-logical way of mm. approaching it, like mm. right, I'm this club and mm. everyone else from this club, like I don't mm, want anything mm. to do with them. I hate everything. I would never try and make things happen. But when you go into the system, you kind of realize it's all 
a bit more connected and you kind of all yeah. need each other within it so you can't be as tribal with you know your yeah, allegiances yeah, yeah. so you have to yeah yeah you have to i like, think it also give me a bigger that. appreciation of like what goes on behind the scenes at football clubs as well like and and with particularly with the agents and i know they get so much press and not always like predominantly it's not good press especially the agents mm. but again like the vast majority of ones that we deal with are doing like a huge a huge amount of work for their for their clients and it's not always work to get paid for you know it's the stuff mm. like it's the it's the hard yards in terms of like looking after the family's interests you know making sure that you mm. know everything in terms of the holistic their lifestyles like managed properly they do it you know they, they, they've got the nutritionist that they sorted out and they've got the holidays sorted out this is stuff they don't get paid for they just they do it as part of their management package when they offer it to to, to the clients mm. and I think you know there's there's a massive like offering from there's a, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes at football clubs and within football that you don't see as a fan that you get a bit more of a glimpse into like mm. in the chair that we sit in um so yeah so like even you know when you people go nuts at like team selections and stuff like you know I could scratch my head at a few things that Pep's done over the last few years particularly in finals and semi-finals but yeah you know, I don't lose sleep over it because I think, well, I've not stood on the training ground for the last two weeks in the run up to the game and seen how everyone's played. Mm. Well, I'd have not spoken to the medical staff and know exactly if, you know, that guy is carrying a calf injury or not, whether he's recovered properly or whether he's, you know, there's so much that goes on. I just, I feel like I'm a lot more or a lot less passionate about, you know, the vitriol towards if anything goes wrong with City, for example, than I would have been five, six years ago because just so much that goes on. It's like, not worth sleep, losing sleep over. There's a reason. There's a very good reason why they those guys get paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pounds a year, to make decisions. It's because mm. they are good at making those decisions. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think once not <clears throat> Joe blogs in the pub, <laughs> who's barely got his eyes on the on the TV while yeah, the match he's not is even watching on. the telly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. My dad's one of those guys. I swear to God. <laughs> He'll like he'll just be on his phone and he'll look up every now and then and just go shit and just carry on <laughs> back on his phone. Man. <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating. I can't me to tell you. And then they're like, "Yeah, they should have done this, this, that, and yeah, the other. Why yeah. was it this person started?" And then he'll ring his mates after the game with such conviction and be like, "They had such a terrible game." And I'd be like, "You didn't even watch more than twenty minutes of it. I swear to God." <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I guess that's what happen happens when you get more of an understanding of what what is going on behind the scenes. And also when you realise that at the end of the day, these guys are humans and they're doing a job. And sometimes when no, you're working, you can't always get it 100% right. Sometimes it no. doesn't really go the way you want it. Sometimes it just, you you have teeth and problems. It's it's normal. And then, yeah, that, that um, I guess that, yeah, like I mentioned before, that like tribalism with it just reduces because you'd realise it just isn't, it doesn't make sense to no. to, to continue. It's, it's not worth losing sleep over with it, honestly. Like, it's just, I say it's only a game, like, it means a lot more to me than that, but, you know, it's, it's just not worth losing sleep over. Yeah, most definitely, man. Most definitely. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, one of the things that, um, like, I just find interesting about... Um, going back into like the creative field is people are people can sometimes find it difficult to transition from those things being their hobbies to making like a full-time level of income 
So if you think of somebody who hasn't had that big moment that we talked about going on Love Island or a point where their where their um where their content goes viral and it's more of a slow transition and they start having those conversations. Um, I know you mentioned earlier that when you were talking to the person who didn't hire you, you were in the room negotiating with them. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is a sick flip, by the way. Love that. Um, for those creatives who aren't quite at that level where they can get somebody to negotiate on their behalf when they're talking to brands for advertisement or sponsorship deals, from the conversations you've been in where you've negotiated, what kind of things would you um, ha- like? What would you advise those people to do to get the best out of the deals in general? If they've not got a lawyer, they've not got someone to look at, or like an agent to look through the contracts. Yeah, um, I think a lot of it will come with their own experience. If they're not at a stage where they want to start you know, paying for professional advice, or, or they've got no, they've not got a management who's experienced who can go through these things, and it's like they're trying to do it themselves. Like they'll, in their own mind, they'll know what their price point is that they want to pitch themselves at. And that's really mm-hmm. the biggest thing that they'll all be bothered about is how they're going to make the money. So, but that comes through a little bit of trial and error. So they might, they might sell themselves short on one job. They might get a bit more money than they, they were happy to accept on another job. They've just got to mm-hmm. keep trying to push and ask the questions. And if, if they were trying to do the deals themselves, it would literally be the, the, most, the most important thing. I know everyone says, oh, I'm not bothered about money. 100% that's all they're focused on is making sure they're getting paid the right amount for the amount of work they've got to deliver so mm. you know but that all depends on the job and the creative and you know what they're happy what you know what point they're at in their life like they might be quite happy taking a thousand pounds from Instagram post but two months later they might want two thousand pounds they might want you know they'll they'll know as their career progresses and the engagements that they get, they'll be able to they'll be able to plot like how popular they are and how popular the post has been. So they'll be able mm. to work out their place in the market and you know, pitch themselves accordingly. If they've got an agent, that will help because although they might have to give their agent twenty percent, in my experience, good agents are worth their weight in gold and then some, because not only will they bring mm. in the work for them because they've got the contacts and the connections, but once the work comes in, even if the agent isn't always proactive and they just sit and they wait for the email inquiries to come in from people saying, oh, we'd love to sponsor your talent or whatever. They might get that email inquiry. And I've heard of this as well. Like some of my clients, like agency clients are fabulous at this and it baffles Mm -hmm. me sometimes how they manage to do it. They'll get an inquiry for like 10 grand and they'll turn it into a year long deal for 250 grand over the space, like three or four emails. So, you know, sometimes (laughs) even if you're like a creative and think, I don't need an agent. I want to do it myself. Like maybe go and speak to a few and do a few trial and errors. Like I'll let you represent me for a month. See how far you can get me. See how far you can take me. Like let's see how we get on. And some, and if I'm happy with you after a month, then we'll sign something. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, like in terms of like, if you're just an influencer on your own, it's, it's going to be a trial and error process because if you've got no one to advise you, you're going to just learn things. You're going to make mistakes on the way, along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be the end of the world. Just as long as you don't sign yourself, sign your life away for, you know, for no money. Yeah, for, for, for very little. And exclusivity is a big one, actually. One thing I didn't mention before is exclusivity right. for contracts. That's, that's one of the first things that we look at as well, to be honest with you, to make sure that we're not, for the sake of, you know, 
a pittance excluding yourself from doing deals with different sectors or different brands within a sector that you might be able yeah. to get away with. The worst thing in the world is like, you know, fortunate I've not had it, but it's been a few times where an agent might ring me up panicked and go, you know, can we do this deal with this person? You think, well, let me go check the contract you gave me six months ago to make sure it's not going to cause an issue now and that you can go and earn 200 grand because if you can't, I'm going to have an uncomfortable conversation with you. So mm. those sorts of things are really important as well. And if I was a standalone creative, that's probably one thing I'd always look out for as well. Yeah, that exclusivity point, because, I mean, you're basically <clears throat> shrinking your income at that point, I imagine, because you're saying yeah. this is the only person I'm tying myself to. That's a very, yeah, yeah it's a very, very big point. Um, so coming towards the end of the podcast, and I've got a few, like, football-related questions now. Right, okay. Um, and it's something that I noticed in your LinkedIn profile, actually, and it's about the point of image rights. Um, mm -hmm. And something that I saw recently as well was that I, I don't know how quite how long ago this was, but it came into my awareness recently about Zlatan claiming that FIFA were using his yeah. likeness in games without consent. So yeah. my question is, because uh, it's something that, I've heard a lot more about over the years and I guess maybe this becomes more murky because of how technology and the internet and social media has advanced. What, what actually intent, like what does uh, image rights for a player in the Premier League, for example, actually entail? What things do you have to consider? Um, yeah. Just love to yeah. hear your thoughts on that. Well, well yeah, image rights are anything that has, you know, if a, anything that has a commercial value. So, you know, Joe Bloggs, who's playing for, you know, Vanarama National League team would struggle to justify that his name, his image, his face, his likeness, his signature, these sort of elements of, you know, a bundle of rights, which people call image rights, have commercial value. The last one, on the other hand, dead easy. <laughs> everyone's trying to throw money at him to endorse their cars, you know, watches clothing whatever it is so mm. the easiest way to think about image rights is you know has this person got a bundle of rights that have a commercial value to a brand have they got a, a well-known face have they got you know a recognizable image have they got a recognizable name are they of high profile that's the sort mm. that's the easiest way to sort of conceptualize you know what image rights are um and then obviously you know because you have image rights associated with you and you've got mm. commercial value, then clubs will pay a portion of what they pay you to your image rights company because you're no longer just a footballer, you're a brand as well that's becoming part of their brand and helping them as a club promote their commercial partners by, you know, wearing the shirt and by endorsing, you know, whatever products that the commercial partners of the club have got. So, so mm. that's the easiest way to sort of conceptualize it. Mm. Yeah, that's um, that's quite that's quite. I, I just find it like quite an interesting um, area because I guess at that point you can pretty much you put, like you said you put a price on this is how much my name, my yeah. face, everything I do is worth and um, negotiate that within the contracts. Um, and and just coming on to that point as well. Because uh, I know it's something that's generally included in the contracts with the clubs, right? 
Um, so how does that like how does that work when you also consider what those players are doing outside themselves as well? Are there well, that's any, where it's any... really difficult? Yeah, that's where it's really difficult because you know that's where the lawyers really come into their own because they're, they're carving out yeah. the elements that maybe the player wants to keep separate from the club. So you know, Zlatan's actually probably a good example. You know, we don't act right. as Latan, but it's pretty obvious to everybody who his commercial partners were before he joined United. And I think at the time, United's vehicle partner was Chevrolet, but Zlatan had a personal endorsement with Volvo. So obviously that's right. like a conflict straight away. So mm. Zlatan joining United will want to make sure that he's not walking himself into a contractual claim from Volvo because he's suddenly promoting Chevrolet cars. So when the right. lawyers sit down to all the contracts, they literally have to work, go through and carve out anything that's pre-existing to make sure it's not going to cause a problem with the club sort of moving mm. forward. And the bigger the player is when he moves and the more endorsements he's got, the more donkey work that has to be done in terms of separating everything out. Um, uh. And it's not a straightforward exercise. You know, some clubs possibly justifiably say that, well, actually you're joining you know, a huge, huge recognisable football club, one of, maybe one of the biggest clubs in world football, your commercial deals on a personal basis are going to go through the roof now because when you sign for Man United, for example, you'll get an extra 20 million followers. I'm not saying it's always the case, but, mm. you know, you'll get a huge increase in your following, which makes you more attractive to brands to work with anyway. So you're going to make more yeah. money by joining us. So we want a percentage of whatever that is for just for the fact we're signing you. So yeah. there's loads of considerations that go into, you know, when a player signs for a club and, you know, how the money's all divvied up and worked out. But image rights is a massive, massive part, especially the, the high level sort of high profile names and signings is a mm. massive part of it. Um, you know, not least because it's, it's, it's a efficient way for the players to earn the money, but also because it's, it's a justifiable way as well. You know, these brands are throwing huge amounts of money at the football clubs to get close to some of the stars of the first team football so mm. it only makes sense that those stars who are then taking time out of their training commitments to help the club promote the partners get paid paid accordingly yeah yeah I, I'm, I'm guessing as well that's why a lot of transfers can take a long time to get over the line because it's things like this in this area that are you know, that the, the lawyers are still trying to make it work contractually, yeah. which is taking taking a long time for the club to finally announce we have signed yeah, yeah. blah, yeah. blah, blah, player. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, and, and sometimes as well, you know, like the, the agents generally are very good at doing the, the playing contract thing themselves. Like they've seen enough of them, they know, you know, they want to put the money in, they want to make sure they're getting paid this, this and this. Like the, they're very good at that side of things themselves. Very rarely, I think, do they do they really need like expert legal advice on the playing contract. The predominance of the, the, the legal work is usually done around, you know, a little bit maybe around the representation contracts, but but predominantly around the image rights contracts um, mm. when transfers taking place because that is that's the area that's fraught with danger. And I don't think people approach it so much as a like a bit of like a power grab. It's not so much that. It's more everybody wants to make sure they're all singing off the same hymn sheet when the deal's done and the club go away and they start working with their commercial partners and the player's agent goes away and he starts sourcing commercial deals. They just want to make sure that the two don't meet for whatever reason um, yeah. and they don't end up falling out, which I think is 
perfectly sensible and it's exactly what should do you know should be done but mm. you know like you say sometimes it takes a bit of time to to iron out all those details yeah yeah definitely I, I even remember seeing something a few years ago actually with Mourinho when he was going to United and apparently Chelsea owned his name so they couldn't something like that so yeah it was something yeah they owned the trademark Jose Mourinho and I was just yeah. like, how can someone else own your name? That's mad to me. I know. That's just crappy, mad. Isn't it? I know. <laughs> that's it mad. is crappy. It's crappy. But, yeah, it's a, that's a good example of like how, you know, what from the outside looking in, you might think, oh, he's, okay, he's United manager now. Um, and I don't even, I think he, he hadn't even been at Chelsea, had he? he? He'd been out of a job for a while before he went to United, I think. So yeah. It wasn't like he was like, it wasn't like United was snatching him out of Chelsea and putting him in the, in the dugout at Old Trafford. Um, yeah. but yeah that's a good example of just like how these little nuanced sort of things can just sometimes be a bit of an obstacle to get things done yeah. but um, yeah no image rights is is a huge huge area of law and it can be extremely complicated and you know it's it's quite interesting to see how it all works but um, yeah it's, it's just just a part of like the transfer if you like yeah, that that's. Uh, I'm guessing that's probably an area of your work that keeps you up doing that thing with your yeah, eyes. Right? A bit, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, my my, yeah. my like so my boss has been doing these sorts of deals for a, a long time, and he sort of knows his way around them, like you know, the back of his hand. And it's like with anything, it's the more you do it, the, the more you see how it all works. The, the easier they mm. they get to you can get to grips with them, and you know what to look for straight away. You know where to look for the carve outs and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a, the biggest thing really is it's because of the level at which they're operating and the amount of money that's at stake. You know, you don't, you really can't afford to get it wrong because you could potentially be costing your your client a lot of money in endorsement income if you end up not carving things out properly. So um, yeah, it's very much yeah. one of those things that you read and then read again and read again until you're yeah. doing the face of it. Um, would you say there's uh, added pressure then, like when working with people at this level, whether it's the um, athletes or social media influencers? Do you feel like an increased level of pressure then? With, not with not the really, no. no, no, not really. I don't don't feel it's increased pressure. I feel it's more just for me personally. The, the biggest pressure that I feel on a day to day is just managing, like juggling so many different plates. So like I might mm. have like even like at the moment I've got like six or seven pieces of litigation on all the different stages. So yeah. you know I'll have somewhere we're like maybe preparing witness statements. I'll have somewhere we're literally just sending letters back and forth. And you've almost got to know at any moment that if a client rings you up, you've got to almost go to that file in your head and know exactly where everything's up to and what have you. And then at the same time as that, I might have well I have like twenty or thirty contracts on all at different stages, all for different amounts of money, all for different people as well who you know to them a ten thousand pound endorsement deal might be a huge sum of money to others it might be just oh, another you know day's work for me just want to get it over and done with as fast as possible so mm. i don't feel pressure in the sense of um you know dealing with people at high a high level because they're just just people at the end of the day who've just been very successful and that they're, they're mm. fortunately yeah nice people to deal with to be honest with you um there's no one that yeah. i deal with is a client or that come across who's been difficult or anything to be honest with you quite fortunate in that respect um but the biggest thing really is just managing the time to be honest with you and 
and that's the that's the toughest part. That's that's the bit that causes the pressure and not so much the sleepless nights, but you'll wake up early hours and that'll get you up and get you out to get on with things to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sounds um sounds uh like a very enthralling place to be, yeah, man. Full on, man. Full yeah. On. Um and coming on to my last question, bro. Uh what's well let me let me give it a bit more context because obviously people hear you know the stories and and the clients you work with and and you know the industry like the type of people you're working with um but when you ask people this type of question you know sometimes you can be you could be surprised so what's been your favorite experience of working um at Fletcher Sports Law would you say like given everything that you're involved in what would you say you can look back and think wow that was a real moment um there's been there's been a few to be fair but the there's well there's yeah there's been a, there's been a couple the one that jumps to mind straight was the first case that went all the way to trial that we won and we won like every single penny for the client and the client had put his house up as collateral in case he lost as well basically jesus so you know he was an ex-player who who done obviously had a good career but he'd done an agency deal for a, a transfer of a player and then the club had sort of reneged on the payment and it was quite a lot of money um when we won that that was a massive like because although like you not every case we do will go to trial some will settle a long way because the cost of going is sometimes so prohibitive that it makes mm. sense to not take the chance of going all the way but but in this instance like we were so sure they had such a good case and they weren't putting forward any sort of offers to sort of settle it that they didn't you know we didn't we didn't get any 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 decent offers to settle a case in advance run it all the way so that was a big one and that was a proper yeah. sort of you know fist pumping moment once you got the judgment through and you realize you won that that was pretty good and then yeah. the, the first time I went to St George's Park um that was a, not so much a pinch me moment but um we basically me and my boss and then just the England squad in a room for like an hour and a half like just all step me and my boss at a table at the front in a room that was probably no bigger than like I don't know 20 by 30 feet if that it was really not a big room and then just the entirety of the 25 month squad just staring back at us that wow. was that was mad um, <laughs> because, wow and it and in some ways that was mad but at the same time it was it was quite sad as well because you know when, if I was a kid and like watching the 2006 like England team sort of era where it was like Gerard Lampard, Scholes, Beckham, Rooney, Owen, like all yeah. these players in the prime, like Ferdinand Terry, like these, you could the names would go on and on. If I bumped yeah. into any of them, I'd be like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and that sensation of like your childhood, which everyone's had it, I think, where they've a child, they've met a footballer when they're a kid or whatever. It literally, it was, it was over so quickly. Like by the time it entered my mind, you know, when a chiropractor cracks your neck and you think, "Oh my god, shit, it's gonna hurt," and then before you know it, the pain's been and gone. It's exactly the yeah. same sensation meeting these players because you realise they're just, just perfectly like normal people who are just very good at football, like very good at football, yeah. and that's it. And they're just normal guys, and that was like, that was a, a, a crazy moment. It was like four years ago. I was like scratching around trying to begged people to give me a job and now in this scenario here um but yeah it was like a bit of a sad one at the same time because i sort of realized that actually 
there's going to be very few people I'm going to meet in business now or in work that I'm going to have a proper sort of like, oh my God, starstruck moment. Yeah. And if it was like a Ronaldo or a Messi, I think I'd be like, wow, this is quite, this is quite cool. But other than that, I don't know if I'd have that childish sort of buzz anymore. Yeah. Is what it is, I suppose. <laughs> that moment completely drained the fanboy out of you. Like, yeah, Literally, it's done yeah, now. It it's did. done. <laughs> it did it really did and you know I'd met we'd met loads you know I'd met quite a few players before like through work and stuff and sat with them in the in rooms for hours and hours going over stuff and what have you and yeah it's just it was like it's just one of those one of those things but that was a really cool moment to be fair it was a really cool moment no, that's, that's it's not that's like that every day man. I would add yeah most of the time it's behind a computer or on the phone but occasionally it was like good days like that and you know again that's you know, again, you're probably thinking blowing yeah. smoke up his bum, but that is down to my boss more than anything. Like he literally yeah. threw me a bone when no one else would and let me give me the freedom to to try and crack on and do things. Yeah. So um and that gave rise to those opportunities. So Yeah. Just a little disclaimer for anyone listening, you know, don't just start throwing out applications to Fletcher Sports Store. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're no, just no. gonna be chilling with the England team all day. No, 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 no. Um, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. you. if you apply for jobs, no matter what you do, that ultimately there'll be little perks like that in whatever field that you do, where it might not be necessarily like meeting the England team, but it might be something else that's completely like out there that you won't get to do in any other field. Yeah. And I think you've just got to cling on to those little perks and put them in your cap, really. Definitely, definitely. Um, Tom. Thanks so much, man. This has been a, no worries, Paul. it's Anytime. been a pleasure having you on and, and just hearing about things from your perspective. And like, I feel like I've learned a lot and I could chat for hours longer, deep, <laughs> like going deeper into the football things. Maybe probably a lot of the things I'd ask might be better off, off the <laughs> yeah, airwaves. 100%. But um, no, I feel like a lot of people can take value from it, especially when looking at contracts or just being aware of, um, you know, building out if if they if they want to make um, being a creative part of their main, you know, their main source of income, that it's important that they invest in themselves and get the right people on board for, um, you know, those professional services. Um, and just hearing about some of the experiences you've had, even just, you know, you put in a lot of work to get where you are, and then even when you were there, you you kind of created that lane with the with um I guess the 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 Love Island contestant. So yeah, it's been really interesting hearing um hearing that story, man. And uh, just You're to give you man. some room to plug yourself, you know, you can put your socials there, you can <laughs> say your your social media, you can put your your company on the map. Just um tell people yeah. where to yeah. find you and 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 the practice. Yeah, so I mean no no plug no plug intended really but you know if anybody what i would say is if anybody's thinking of getting in or is remotely interested in anything that i've said in the last like, hour or so then by all means reach out because i'm genuinely a big believer of like trying to help people up the ladder a little bit and making sure the door doesn't like close behind me um because like i said there's a lot of people that gave me their time and they didn't necessarily have to so, mm. I'm a, and I, I also hate the thought that like, I didn't have, my mum and dad didn't go to university. Um, you know, I didn't really have anybody in the legal profession as like family members to say, oh, well, how do I do this? Like, well, so I had to sort of try and work out as I've gone along. 
So yeah. I do. If there's anybody else in that similar sort of situation, then by all means, you know, reach out, you can tag me in whatever you know in the video or um, on LinkedIn or whatever. And you know, I, that's what I promised to myself. I always try and get back to people and stuff, try and help out where I can. So that would be my plug, to be honest with you. Um, I'm busy enough with other people asking for legal work <laughs> at the minute. So. <laughs> I'm trying to swerve doing any more work, but um, yeah, yeah that, that's what I'd say, man. Like, if anybody else just wants to like help trying to get into the industry or like work experience and stuff, we'll always do our best to try and fit people in. Brilliant, you heard it, heard it here first, guys. Um, thank you so much for being on, Tom. No um, worries, bro. For everyone, for everyone you. listening, ah, good to see you too, man. It's been too long. Yeah. For everyone listening. Um, thanks for uh, jumping on again and I'll catch you on the next podcast. Goodbye.